Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hello and welcome back. This here is a Bike Tour Adventures Ridecast episode, so short and just kind of giving a, a rehash of of what I just got up to. Um, in this episode, I'm talking about a loop that's just outside in the just outside Ottawa in the Ottawa Valley area. It's called um, well, it doesn't have a real name. It's, it's kind of messed up because it's a combination of three different rail trails. And that makes it, you know, I think it'd be convenient if somebody would give this thing a name. We could call it the Bike Tour Adventures Loop. I wouldn't mind. Copyright. Um, <laughs> so it's a combination of the OVRT, which is the Ottawa Valley Recreational Trail, the KMP Trail, which is the Kingston and Pembroke train line, and the Cataraqui Trail, which, or Cataraqui, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, trail which kind of goes along from Kingston to Smith's Falls, that kind of direction. So east, uh, sorry, west to east, east to west, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's what it is. So let's give some details. The Ottawa Valley Recreational Trail is about 90 kilometers long. And I say about because when I look online, I can't find any information on it from uh, from arm prior to Renfrew. It just, I, even Google Maps doesn't see it, nothing. So maybe it's really, really freshly finished. Um, so I had to kind of look. It showed around 98 kilometers, and that's with a whole bunch of zigzags. And then I kind of put the math together on the other two sections, and I'm figuring it's around 90 kilometers. And the route officially starts in Carlton Place, and that's about 25 kilometers up the trail. So the trail itself, that, that rail trail starts in Smith Falls, uh, but I started in Carlton Place because it's a little closer to home, easier to get to. And I uh, just went from there. So you start off and that trail is fantastic. It's pretty much um, crushed gravel. So I think, I don't know, in lingo, it's gravel dust. But yeah, crushed gravel um, flows really fast. It's easy riding and really, really nice. And I think just to give uh, some points towards the end of the ride, I think starting in Smith Falls is probably the best bet, especially if you're trying to push through as like a an ITT type individual time trial and kind of doing it all in one shot. Because that last 25 kilometers being so straight and smooth and easy when you're bagged and tired, it's really, really easy to fall asleep as I, I kind of almost did a few occasions on a few occasions, I should say. I should say. Um, yeah, so it's really, really cool. And 
riding out of Carlton Place, you're you're passing the locks and stuff on the Oh, I don't know what river it is. Is that the Rideau Canal? It could be the Rideau Canal. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't know. Anyways, you you pass some uh some rivers and then you get up to Almont, which is a beautiful little town, and they have like the really nice locks and stuff there. It's re- just a really, really nice place. Um, maybe if you start really early in the morning in Carlton Place, or not too, too early, but you get to Almont, that's perfect time to catch a get a nice coffee and breakfast, uh, especially if you're not in a rush. So, and and it's not COVID, obviously. If COVID, you'd be getting a nice breakfast and then sitting outside, which is not a bad thing either, because go sit at the locks and enjoy your food and a nice coffee. Um, from Almont, you, you kind of head north. I'm just going to pull up my Google Maps here. So since I'm sitting at home, this makes it really easy. There's Smith Falls, Carlton Place. Yeah, so when you pass Almont... Um, is it Almont? Where the fuck is Almont? Maybe it's not Almont. Maybe I'm wrong. No, maybe it's Mississippi Mill. Oh, you do go through Elmont. That's right. Um, I'm not exactly sure where the trail is there, but it goes through Elmont, and then you eventually get to some Mississippi Mills or something. Oh, Mississippi Mills is Elmont. What a crazy thing. Anyways, I always forget that. So I'm new back to Canada a couple of years. Uh, rather than keep on rambling, I'll just push on with what I'm saying. Uh, passing through Elmont, the, smooth, the track is super smooth. It's nice, and you get all the way up to um, Armprior which is right along kind of the Ottawa River. So it's you're kind of right at its northern port, point of the route. And then it curves west and takes you to Renfrew, where if you wanted, you could continue on to Pembroke and um, Petawawa and all the way to Mattawa, I believe. But that rail will, that cha- that trail will change from crushed gravel to, to looser, gravel which is um, definitely going to be more challenging to ride on so if you're looking to challenge yourself you can keep heading west uh, for myself at Renfrew is where I turned south and onto the K&P trail which is the Kingston and Pembroke train line which had been discontinued I don't know like 50 years ago or something and this is the longest section of trail so it's 147 kilometers long from what I understood and now, I'm not even sure if that 147 includes that last bit to Kingston. So it's pretty long. Um, I think I calculated that that was just a Harrowsmith where you turn onto the next trail. So it does go all the way to Kingston. And um, if you're if you're out just for an adventure and you're not in a rush, stopping in Kingston or making your way down to Kingston is a really, really beautiful city. Um, if you're not if you haven't been to Ontario and you haven't visited Kingston yet or if you haven't been in a long time, just give her, go for it, you know. Um, in my case, I did not go all the way to Kingston. So let's talk about the route. Renfrew to Calabogie, the first section of that route um, in the north of the KMP Trail. About 24 kilometers, and this is also crushed packed gravel um, for the most part, really quick. Um, there was a few more puddles on it than I, uh, than in the than on the OVRT, but pretty smooth going and enjoyable. Leaving Calabogie, you got to ride, uh, it wasn't 10 kilometers, but maybe maybe 7, 8 kilometers or something on the road to get to the next section of the KMP Trail. Now, I think that's because they've at some point destroyed the the rail line and built houses or cottages or something. And so now you can no longer ride that section. 
So that was obviously quick, but it was weird, man, after having just been like the last few hours or so on gravel trails, all of a sudden having cars zipping past you. And I'm a huge, huge road. Well, you used to be a huge road biker and stuff. Now I'm not, I'm pretty comfortable on the roads. It was weird. Um, anyways, um, so from there, you leave uh, Calabogie Town and you get to Calabogie Lake, which is another little section of Calabogie. And you've got to go up this road that's part of the KMP Trail. But it's also been made into a, a road access road to cottages and stuff. And it is really ruddy, really muddy. And it was the biggest climb in the whole ride, too. So it was significant, like a long while going uphill. Um. So it was pretty difficult, but I mean, at that time it was still early in the ride and I was still feeling pretty good. It was, um, I don't know. I don't even know what time it was, but I would say somewhere around noon or just slightly after possibly. I have no real clue. Um, so once you leave, uh, once you leave Calabogie Lake and you get up to the top of the hill, the rest of the section, it's, um, for a huge portion of the section until you're about 15 or 20 kilometers from Charbot Lake. It's just ruddy gravel that's been abused by off-road quads, motorbikes, whatnot. Uh, there were huge puddles to go through. Sometimes, like, just plow into them and keep pedaling and your feet are just submerged in the water. And, you know, it was super cold out, too, so that really sucked. Um, I would try to go along the edge of all the puddles. Obviously, that's what makes sense. But a couple times, like, you could just see there was just no hope. So, um, where the edges just kind of disappeared into the marsh. So you're like, well, okay, I'm going to stay in a bit in case I tip over and I don't want to end up like waist deep in marsh water. So better, uh, better a wet foot than that. Um, yeah. So part of the problem with that is the, the beavers have created these massive dams in the marshes, which has raised the water level. And then of course, with all the winter melt, the water's gone even higher, and I, I don't know how that trail is normally in the middle of the summer. I think probably still fairly wet, but I won't know until I ride it again. So there you have it. Uh, so as I mentioned, about 15 or 20 kilometers before Charbot Lake, all of a sudden, boom, you cross one road, and that trail is beautiful, crushed gravel, fast, no off-road vehicles allowed, um, just phenomenal. And all of a sudden, I went from going, you know, 12, 13 kilometers an hour, maybe 15 to like 23, 24. So it was really sweet. And yeah, when I got to Charbot Lake, it was also a perfect time. I think it was around 5 p.m. And that's where I decided to have supper. And there's a restaurant, somebody, I actually met one other bike tourist along the way, um, about 35 kilometers before I got to Charbot Lake. And, you know, he was, uh, fairly new to bike touring. So he's, he had to set up like rear panniers, no front panniers. Um, and, but he has been riding from Toronto and he's going to Ottawa and he had this perfect idea that he was buying a car in Ottawa and he was going to ride there, pack his stuff into his car and drive home. And I was like, that's awesome, man. Good for you. And I forget his name. Unfortunately, I'm shit with names, but that's just the way it is. And yeah, he took a couple, he took a rest day the day before I did this ride. It rained all day and he just stayed at Charbot Lake and said, yeah, I'm just going to take it easy. So yeah, he told me the road ahead was pretty bad and I told him the road behind me was pretty bad. And he said, well, it can't be as bad as what I had to ride through. And I said, well, well, I guess we'll see. I think what was behind me was harder. It's a lot muddier and ruddier um, as well as wet sections, just like he had. But he, 
he had pointed me forward saying there's some sections where there is no trail anymore. It's just water over it. And so that was pretty challenging, but definitely what was behind me, I think was harder. And if he ever tunes in and he could shoot a message on this and confirm or deny that. Um, so yeah, in, in Charbot Lake, I stopped at the Maple restaurant, which he recommended and had a clubhouse sandwich, which was awesome. And I took about an hour's break, caught up a bit, chatted with my wife, um, friends and stuff, just, uh, you know, um, and whatnot. Um, where are we? So yeah, leaving Charbot Lake, uh, I think it was about, I'm going to say 45 or 50 kilometers to get to Harrowsmith. And it was all perfect trail, man. Like just awesome. I mean, easy, easy riding, no ruts to speak of really the occasional little puddle you see and you could just avoid cause it's, you know, a kilometer ahead of you or no, not that far, but hundred meters ahead, you see it and it's just the one. So sweet. I got to, uh, Harrowsmith probably, I think it was around eight thirty or eight forty-five, and I figured I had to cruise into the town itself to to refill my water supply because I was down to about, I think I had one bottle left. I just crushed the last part of the one bottle. I, and I think I, I knew that it was going to be nighttime soon, so I should get water. What I should have done is I should have bought a plastic bottle of water to stick in my pocket just to cover myself in case, you know, I got super thirsty later. I didn't think of that. I didn't have my water filter with me, so things could have gone south, but they didn't. Okay. Um, so anyways, in Harrowsmith, I had some pizza, uh, gave my wife one last call, tell her I'm still alive and I'm pushing on. And, and then I was merging onto the Cataraki trail. And from where I was in Harrowsmith to Smith Falls, that was an 82 kilometer ride from what this computer tells me. And the trail, I would say, well, aside from the section of like the OVRT and that whole section from Charbot Lake or just before it to Harrowsmith, which is like, that was like grade A riding. I would say like this was like B-level, B-level trails or B-level rail trail. So a little bit grown over um, through the gravel, which caused lots of, you know, grass and stuff. But then you had your two defined trails on it where people have either ridden or quads have gone, which... Um, meant that there was lots of, lots of ruts, but not nearly as bad as that section from Calabogie, which I would call that like D level trails or ease, man, it was brutal. Um, but yeah, the Cataraki, I would say kind of secondary in quality, but fairly good. Um, there were some sections that were more difficult than others. And presumably it's a really, really beautiful trail. I mean, I could see that there was lakes I was passing by on each side. I could see really big cottages and stuff, but it was nighttime. So I couldn't really see them. Um, I do have to say that the Son Deluxe Dynamo worked wonderfully by, to provide me with electricity for the K lights I was using that I bought from Ari Huger Ruger. Um, Safari Ari, if anybody's looking at, um, Instagram and stuff, he's doing a huge tour and he was selling them off cause he found he just didn't use them. Wasn't riding much at night and whatnot. So yeah, so it worked wonderfully. Love them. Um, 
Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventures sponsors. Bike Tour Adventures is proudly sponsored by Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used their race bags since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Manga in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. Yeah, but uh, anyways, what was I saying? Um, there were lots of puddles to avoid, and by around 11.15... I was finding it pretty hard to keep my focus on the trail. Um, I think it was just a challenge of avoiding potholes and mud while trying to be careful not to fall into marsh when there was some there. Oh, you can hear my dog barking in the background, but that's okay. Whatever. Um, so I decided to take a nap. Um, and this was like a big point of bone of con- was it point bone of contention or something. I initially wanted to ride the whole thing nonstop, and but then you know so many people saying no man you you can't do it nonstop you you got to take a tent or you got to take this and that. I brought a bivy, I brought a sleeping bag and air mattress. Didn't use the air mattress anyways, so that's a some learned thing. I'm not going to take that next time, especially on a big push like this. Um, I brought them and I think maybe because I had them, I was more prone to say, okay, I'm going to use it and take that sleep for a couple hours where if I didn't have them, it would never have been a question. I would have just had to get off the bike, jump around, do a dance or something, energize myself and then get back on and keep pedaling. Right. So anyways, I found a good spot to camp. Um, there was a picnic table there, which was sweet. And I was able to lay stuff out on it. And, um, Took out my bivy and sleeping bag, set the alarm for about two hours later. Um, stripped off all the wet stuff, so booties, socks, Gore-Tex pants, rain jacket. Um, my feet were pretty cold, but I crawled in and I tried to bunch up the down sleeping bag around my feet to keep me warm. Uh, cinched the, 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 the hole at the top down a bit so I had less of a hole and I could build up some body warmth. And... Man, two hours flew by. All of a sudden, my alarm was ringing, and I hit snooze, and then it rang again. I hit snooze, and finally, I said, okay, shit, got to get up. And um, by 2.15, so it makes about a three-hour time slot, I had just over two, about two and a half hours of sleep, I'd say, two hours, 15 or 20 minutes. Um, I got dressed lickety-split because it was cold. And got on the way, but I was feeling good. Like I was warm. My my hands weren't frozen anymore. My feet weren't frozen. Even putting on the wet socks. Um, point of note: a second pair of socks would have been wonderbar. But uh, next time, by like three a.m., it was getting really, really cold. Um, 
I checked my, my phone. It was down to one degree. That's like 34 Fahrenheit for any Americans out there. So basically from that 3 a.m. time until I arrived in Smith Falls at like 6.30 or so, 6.45, I didn't stop. Um, and any stops I made were really quick. Um, I just didn't want to cool off at all. Like, And when I did stop, I could see the steam just pouring off me um, as it was like, yeah, cooling as it came off me. But um, yeah, reaching Smith Falls, the sun was just starting to come out, but it was still pretty damn cold. And you have to actually go through town for like, I don't know, um, say 10 Ks, 10, 5, 10 kilometers um, through town to get back to the Ottawa Valley Recreational Trail, which I think should be called Ottawa Valley Rail Trail. But for some reason, somebody thought, somebody important thought, well, no, we're going to call it a recreational trail. Anyways, I'm just rambling, rambling right now. Um, got back to the OVRT and rode the last 25K back to start. As I mentioned before, it was really hard to stay focused that last 25 kilometers. I was barely pushing like 15 kilometers an hour. So tired. I think it's probably the same speed I was pushing when I was on the Cataraki Trail. So what I'm trying to say is um, keeping that rough stuff for the end of the ride is okay because it makes you focus and keeps you awake. Whereas riding the super nice crushed gravel part at the end, when you're tired, you just start to fall asleep. It's really hard to keep energy levels up. So I saw a guy walking his dog and I had a chat with him and played with his dog for a minute and that kind of energized me. And then I was able to push on. And so, yeah, that was it. That's the ride. Um, I didn't go actually directly to the end. So my car was parked at a slightly different spot. And so rather than go that extra one and a half kilometers and then having to go back one and a half kilometers to my car, I just kind of went to my car. I don't think it makes a huge difference. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, so let's talk um, gear. So for this ride, I don't want to keep it too, too long. Probably another 10 minutes max. Uh, for this ride, I didn't carry a lot of gear. So I'll kind of take you through that. In my saddle bag, I didn't have a hell of a lot there. So what I carried was my air mattress, which I won't take in the future because I didn't use it. And I actually slept really comfortably because I was so tired. I had my sleeping bag. Same thing with the sleeping bag. I think depending on the season. So right now, this time of this year was a perfect thing to bring because it was cold out. But if it's later in the year, maybe a sleeping bag liner or maybe even like half a sleeping bag. Take an old sleeping bag, cut it in half and put some like straps to go over your shoulders just to keep your hips and legs warm and then wear a down jacket. I think that's the way the route to go. Um, so I had the sleeping bag. I had a SOL. I like to say it's shit out of luck, but I don't think it is. Um, SOL bivy. The, oh, I forget which one it is, but something light. Um, pretty light, 155 grams. Relatively sturdy, so long as you don't like rip any seams apart. Like you're not going to rip the material. You might rip the seams though. And it doesn't give you a huge amount of room. So I'm the kind of guy I like to sleep kind of half on my, on my stomach with one leg curled up. You can't do that. So you're just, you're just like a mommy, you know, laying on your back, arms crossed. But if you're tired, I guess you just sleep. 
Um, so that was in my back saddlebag. Uh, I also had my down jacket stuffed in there until the evening because I knew it was going to rain a solid half of the day. So it rained um, from when I started at 6.45 or 7, whatever time it was. It rained until about 1 or 2 p.m. Then it was clear until about 5. Then it rained again for a little while. And then it cleared up and it was kind of clear for the rest of the evening occasional sprinkles, but I knew I didn't want my down jacket on in the morning. So I froze my ass off that first part of the day. I'm not going to lie to you. I think I've never been so cold while riding. Um, my fingers felt swollen. They, they, it was hard to, to manage shifting. Um, I was trying to hold my hands in a fist like motion on the, the tops of the handlebars. Um, my toes were frozen. I'm so glad I wore my neoprene booties that I bought in Sweden. Like they're, they're not waterproof, but kind of work like a, like a wetsuit, you know, the water gets in there and stuff, but eventually your, your feet kind of build up a bit of a, a heat with it. So they worked out really well. Um, well, my toes were still cold, but not falling off cold. Um, what else did I carry in my frame bag? I carried, um, a tube just in case I carried a little tool roll. So I just like to keep all the tools organized. So it's easy access. Like if it's middle of the night, you don't want to be digging around in your frame bag, trying to dig out one specific tool, making a mess, dropping, losing things. So I have a Blackburn tool roll and that works out really well. Kind of have, gives you what, two, four, five different compartments to store stuff in. So in there, I always bring a chain tool. I like just quick the to to release the uh, quick re- quick links if I need to. Um, I have a super small one, and I find it way easier to use than the one that came on my Blackburn tool. So boom, it's just done. I did have a multi tool with me. Um, I had a patch kit. Also, took a patch kit. I took one boot sleeve just in case I had a major failure, and a tire lever, just one, but a big one. Cause I like easy. Uh, and that's all I brought for tools. What else I brought? I brought, um, a stick of wax for my chain now because I don't, I don't use oil. I use wax. Um, I brought that. I was quite cold and like, so the problem with that on this ride is probably not necessary. My chain did get squeaky a bit and it was annoying me and definitely caused me a couple watts. But the thought of having to stop for even a minute to wax my chain was dreadful to me. I was so fucking cold. So I didn't. And maybe in the next time I ride a 300K like that, even if it's rainy and stuff, I just won't bring the wax. Uh, if I was going to do it when it's dry, I wouldn't bring the wax either. So um, something like the log driver's walls where it's 800 something kilometers, I would definitely bring it. But something short, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, further to the wax... I had a pair of mountain bike gloves. I brought those in case it got warm. I don't know why I brought them. I should have known. It'll never get warm. And what I was wearing was, um, I have these Louis Garneau three or well fall, like what do you call it when you're off season there? Like except the fall and spring mountain bike gloves that have a pullover windproof, um, fingers. So not into mitt, but like the semi mitt, you know, where you like the crab claws, 
So I have a pair of these Louis Garneau gloves. Now they're a little thicker. They got some thin slate in them and they went a long ways to keeping my hands warm. Not nearly enough, but I think if I'd have been just wearing my mountain mic gloves, I would have died. So I tried that at the start and I even bought um, some rubber dishwashing gloves to put over top to make like a waterproof thing. Didn't work. Super cold. I gave that up in a minute. Just ended up in my frame bag. So there were some dishwashing gloves, my mountain bike gloves. I had a couple sandwiches. I brought two sandwiches, two bananas, and an apple with me, which I stuffed in there because there was space. Um, a small first aid kit, just a couple little things. Uh, not my usual big assortment. I, I trimmed it down to just the bare necessities. Um, a partial roll of electrical tape. Now I figured... In case of emergency, you can always use electrical tape as your medical tape, which I usually carry in my bigger emergency first aid kit. Um, so just the electrical tape was good. I used it to tape up my pants too so that they, they wouldn't catch in the chain ring and rip because they're Gore-Tex and they're expensive and I didn't want to rip them. So um, what else did I carry? I think that's about it for there. There's probably a couple of little other odds and ends. And in the two... Um, the two feed bags I had. One of them had a water bottle in it. I had one bottle on the frame where uh, my, my frame bag leaves space for one bottle. And in the other feed bag, I had a shitload of granola bars, maybe about 10 in total stuffed in there. Um, Cliff bars and Nutri-Grain bars. And surprisingly, I thought the Nutri-Grain bars were the least exciting of them. But when you're riding, they go down really easy. And they were a lot easier to eat than the Cliff Bars. Probably Cliff Bars give you more energy and stuff, so it's worthwhile. But it was nice to just have that, uh, you know, the strawberry taste of a granola bar or Nutri-Grain bar. Um, I also brought, so this is almost it for the gear. Um, I had my cockpit bag or my top tube bag, I guess you call it. And in that, I had one spare battery pack, or what do you call it, um, power bank. I had some wireless headphones. I had some electrolyte powder mix stuff for my water bottles, and some Beachbody Energize. Um, the Beachbody Energize are always I find hard to hard to swallow. Like they're so bitter tasting, and. I only used one and probably should have used more. Um, maybe if I had like a little tiny cup or something, I could mix it in and just pound it rather than get it mixed in my water bottle. Something to look at and think about in the future. And that was about it. Now, the big problem I came across was as my phone started to die, I tried to plug it in through the Dynamo. Um, so I also have the KMP AC to DC converter. However, my phone could detect that there was moisture on it because it'd been raining and I have it on a, a quad lock. And so an alarm would start going off and it says, disconnect, disconnect. Don't, we're not, don't charge, blah, blah, blah. So in the end, my phone ended up dying because of this moisture. I tried plugging it into a power bank, same warning. So I just didn't use it. I put it on um, emergency, what airplane mode. And then I eventually turned it off to save that last few percent. But, but, uh, Something to be aware of in the future. If it's really rainy, not to keep the phone on the bike, but to put it in the frame bag and take it out once the rain is done because you uh, you mitigate the ability to charge your device. So overall, um, a really, really challenging 24 hours. I think it was like 24 hours and 
30 or 40 minutes. Actually, I could probably see it right here. Oh, it doesn't tell. Oh, 24 hours, 33 minutes, 58 seconds. Temperature was three degrees. I think that's the average temperature. I don't know. Um, average speed of 18.2 kilometers per hour. And my moving time was 17 and a half hours. So when I look at that, that's one thing that kills me is to see that I, I spent seven hours not on the bike. So the big learning thing here with trying, uh, an individual time trial of something is to figure out how to minimize that stop time. Um, obviously one hour at a restaurant. I know where that was three hours on that sleep break. So that's four hours somewhere else in there. I spent another total of three hours and that's, that's the key. Um, obviously in a real race situation, um, I probably wouldn't stop for an hour at a restaurant, but anyways, overall, um, really, really cool event. Uh, my knees were a little bit sore the next day. That was yesterday. I just didn't record this yesterday because I ended up having to help my dad with something for a while and stuff. And that was tough work. So yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed this overview of the OVRT KMP trail and cataractry trails. I think that if you're looking for a cool bikepacking, uh, little adventure this summer, if you're in the Ontario region, um, with now these border closures coming up and stuff and it's spring, it's a great time to get out riding. Uh, I think that you could definitely go and ride this or sections of this and um, enjoy yourself. Thanks and keep on pedaling. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling. <laughs>